On a new DMV Sports Roundtable Men's College Basketball Tournament time, the Terps now know their opponent Belmont will face Maryland Thursday at 3.10 p.m. Old Dominion takes on Purdue at 9.50 p.m. Thursday. UVA takes on Gardner-Webb Friday afternoon at 3.10. VCU taking on UCF at 9.40 Friday night. And Virginia Tech faces St. Louis at almost 10 p.m. Friday. Before we get to hoops, the Redskins brass were at Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins Pro Day. Also reports that Skins coach Jay Gruden has been on the outside looking in. Why isn't he part of these off-season moves we've been seeing? I'm Dimitri Sotis with most of our usual crew, Jamal Bowens, the security guard with the vast sports knowledge. In fact, I'll bet he knew Deshaun Jackson was heading back to the Eagles before Deshaun knew. Gambling enthusiast and sports reporter Chris Chion and our special guest Dave Preston of WTOP Sports, a voter in the Associated Press Basketball Top 25 poll. Follow us on Twitter at DMV Sports Round 1. Let's get into Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins getting a closer look by the skins will we have a new qb i've done some research while i was down in fort lauderdale on the flight down before uh, all the cocktails started settling (laughs) in and i just believe more and more that this guy is the top of the class here i think that their redskins would have to move up and trade draft capital which isn't a plethora of to begin with that they've got but this is a team that you're going to either go into the season with Case Keenum and you're going to have Colt McCoy and you're going to have a lukewarm fan base once again, or you can shock the system a little bit. The point I kept making and made with, with JP a couple of weeks ago was, is this team, their history involving with RG3 and trading up so much to get him going to kind of say, we don't want to go down that road again and spurn our future so let's just kind of see what falls to us. And if it is a Daniel Jones or a Drew Locke and we happen to like one of those guys, maybe we grab them. But I just don't think that they do this, are good as Haskins and are able to throw the ball on just you know a, a precise and with arm strength. I just think Haskins, the only really knock on him is that he just doesn't have a ton of like experience, I guess. That's not so bad to me. No. My, well, you know what? I, I have a soft spot for Haskins because he went to Bullis. He's, yep. he's local. But at the end, a little bit of, well, not animosity, but he did back out of yeah. signing with the Terps. So a little salty for, about, that. about that, but I remember that. But yeah, but my thing is, I mean, yeah, he's, I don't know how much, it's hard for me to compare how much better he is than Murray because they're both, they both have, they're totally different mm-hmm. games, totally different uh, sizes, of course, and, and, and skill sets. I'm not sure. Would I trade up from 15 to 3? Because if you want to trade up, and this is a scenario that's that's being thrown out there now, that let's say Arizona does go Murray number 1, and let's say Bosa goes 2, you would have to jump you possibly. Go 4. Oakland's 4. Oakland's 4. Yep. They, they could take, they could take it. They could take 1, too. Totally. So you're looking at them. You're looking at uh, the Giants at 6, and Miami in there somewhere. So, and even though Miami has made it clear that they are more enamored with next year's class with Tua and and those guys coming out next year, but you, who knows? No one knows what's going to transpire on draft night. All that could change. But is it worth? I, I mean, Haskins is, is is a good player, and do I think he can come in and contribute? Yeah. But is he going to come in and be necessarily a franchise changer, which this team needs? Is he going to be a, a, a playmaker to the point to get this team to the next level right away? Because that's kind of where they're going with this. 
they still have not accepted any sort of rebuild. They're kind of still in. Yeah, that's you what, know we want to. We still we're close is what is what Bruce Allen said. Close to what I have no idea what he thinks he's close to. Yeah. But is he that type of guy? Jumping from fifteen to three, that's kind of rich. It is for, for a team that also needs linebackers. You need you need uh, guards. You need all sorts of things. Corner depth. You need all sorts of things on this team. Wide receiver. Oh, they addressed uh, Wide receiver. depth on the line by getting Eric Flowers. What <laughs> well, what's thing about that is this. Oh, you're going to defend? No, I'm going to I'm going to make an observation, and I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of positivity on it. On the outset, it doesn't look good. But this is where my my positivity comes from. If they are true to, they're going to kick him inside to guard. Then. Okay, I'm starting to see something because he's coached by Callahan, who's one of the best old O-line coaches in the game. He's got one thing you can't teach. He's 6'6", 326. You can't teach size. He knows, I hope he knows, and I hope they know, he is not an offensive tackle in the NFL whatsoever. We've seen him, whether it's in New York, whether it's with the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, any sort of speed rush. He does not have the prerequisite athleticism. His feet are slow. But if you put him, like Mike Mayer used to say, if you put him in a phone booth at that size and he put hands on people and you get Callahan to mold him, he might work better in a smaller environment. Because he is clearly not a tackle, should not be on the outside, should not be the swing tackle. Keep in mind, too, isn't it something that everybody, and it's been talked about how these players read tweets and see social media. That guy, I don't know that there's anybody, an offensive lineman that's more bashed than Eric Flowers. <laughs> I like the idea of a guy there, with there have something been more, to but prove. Recently, yeah, that's, and, and you know what? If you put him at guard, you get him with Sheriff. I think right now he should be on his way. The first thing smoking down to Houston and get with Trent and AP. Uh, they said Reed is down there. Uh, Geis is on the way. They need to get down there ASAP. He needs to get with Trent immediately. And Gary and, Gary and uh, Christian. Because I think that's your swing tackle. If Eric Flowers is now your swing tackle, then I'm worried. Yeah. If you kick him in the guard and you could potentially, if he works out, because some guys do that. We tried Scherf, people don't forget. We tried Scherf at tackle mm-hmm. very early in, in camp and it was very clear. He was a guard and he is a, a, a all pro caliber guard. I'm not, I don't know what Flowers can be. He's got the size to be that. He was a first, he's a high first round pick. You could potentially have two high first rounders at guard and you have a needed guard, period. But if you get and now Connolly is your swing guy, you lost Ty and Secchi, you know, it, which which I hate to see, but I tip my hat to Ty for getting paid, and he gets a chance yeah. to be a starter, which he deserves. He did his time here; he deserves to start somewhere. So Connolly also needs to get down there with Trent because he's got long arms, athletic kid, but he has he has got to hit, he got to bulk up. He has no functional strength. All right, I want to move to two more Redskins items. Uh, first, we were talking about Dwayne Haskins and all the spotlight on him and the Redskins brass there. What does that do to the Josh Rosen Arizona Cardinals deal, if such a deal is I even to materialize? Exists. I hope it still I hope exists. It exists too. But I don't know, because now with, with uh, it looks like now the Giants have kind of 
snuck in a little bit. Mm-hmm. It seemed like if that was going to be the move when it first, when it was the first inkling that, okay, this is a possibility. And I really was surprised because I've never seen the Redskins front office uh, make that move for Keenum and then possibly have that be a part of a trade with his relationship with Kingsbury. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen that be that uh, that spur- this is to be plain that smart or that forward thinking in making a move like that. So if that's if they can pull that up, I would be amazed and I would love it because he's cheap. He still has what three more years mm-hmm. on his rookie deal, cheaper than most any other acquisitions you would make at this point. But now the Giants seem to be they're being leaked in the situation, and they've got more draft capital once again than the Redskins do to make that move. I don't. I hope it's something that can come around, but it's that's a very you know roundabout sort of move to make. I stumbled into. I did. You were talking about putting somebody in a phone booth, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know what I. It's what's interesting is that I think there are more. Uh, Players from the Giants' 2015 draft class with the Redskins, and there are That's Redskins true. from their own 2015 That's draft true. class on the team. Anytime I think you can get uh, offensive line depth, that's uh, a good thing. I agree with you guys saying that he should be a guard, not a swing tackle, or heaven forbid, a, a starting tackle mm-hmm. on this roster. What's unfortunate, and maybe this will change with the new CBA, is that you see just a lack of depth everywhere on the offense, on offensive yes. lines when you're deep into September and October. And because of the inactive list and this, that, and the other thing. If a guy goes down, we see tight ends lining up as guards and tackles and stuff like that. I think for the good of the game, something has to be uh, flexed where you can bring in an injured guard as opposed to or an injured offensive lineman on game day mm-hmm. if all of a sudden one of your offensive linemen, one of your starters can't yeah, post. But moving forward, I like Haskins. I thought that uh, I, I thought that he'd be a good prospect. Um, I think the Redskins do need to take a quarterback in one of the first uh, three rounds, probably given needs and everything like that, maybe second or third, uh, if mm-hmm. say a Will Greer sli- you know, slips to their spot in the oh, second round. He's really not like, a fan of Greer, and, and I'm not a, not fan a fan of Daniel right. Jones. I think if you're in a off, I think in a college system, Greer looked good. I think at the NFL level, he gets a little rattled. Okay. If, we're, if we're talking first round, and let's say we're talking 15, no move up, no move right. back. We're talking quarterback at 15. It's a lock for me because I, I am not. I, I don't think Daniel Jones lasts. But no, it would be no. Daniel Jones well, for me. I, no, I don't. I, I don't think Daniel Jones should go higher than that. I really don't. I have looked at Daniel Jones and then looked at him again, and what I saw the first time, I saw a lot of holes that I didn't see the first time around when I rewatched him. Daniel Jones to me is not a first round quarterback. He, he, he Jim has, Harbaugh wasn't a first-round quarterback no. when he was taken in the first round by the exactly. Bears. I mean, the, the you see teams it overvalue happens. quarterbacks a lot right. by anywhere from ten to fifteen spots of where they should go, right. because especially in today's day and age, it's a pass-heavy league and it's 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 a quarterback-centric uh, you know offense. So the importance of that position far outweighs the uh, the yeah. prospects. But the, the thing is, this you don't want to end up with a Christian Ponder. Oh gosh, he was guys awful. like that, uh, Jake Browning. You don't want to end up with. Mm-hmm. You remember that draft yeah. where those guys were taken in the, in the first round, and got, and thank God we we stayed out of that because that's another one we're rumored to be enamored with. All of those guys, and I'm missing some other ones. Uh, 
Not Mettenberg. I mean, there's there's too many there, to count. There's, a, there's a bunch. Mettenberg, Blaine Gabbard. Blaine Gabbard. You know, all Chase of Chase Daniel was yeah, your first rounder. No, 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 no. <laughs> we got. I think we got Chase. No, we got Chase undrafted. Redskins got Chase Daniel. I don't think. Chase who did they get? Who is who is way back when? I don't know. It just it, it feels. Heath Schuler. He, oh, if you gosh, want to go back that, that, that far, yeah, that was. Bad. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to kind of take that gamble, but you don't want to end up with one of those guys because how long did it take for those teams to rebound? From that, it it took a little while. Or if you're like the Dolphins and you hung on to Ryan Tannehill for so long, and just kind of accepting that now, this right, is we're going eight and let eight me, or so. Yeah, as a, as as a fan, mm-hmm. let me ask you this: in that move, not for Miami, but for Tennessee, does does this make you think that possibly, if you make the right call, and 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 had the right offer, could Mariota possibly be moved? I know Tiny Hill is not the greatest, but he's a, you're bringing another starting quarterback yeah. is what I'm saying. Another young starting quarterback along with Mary Oden. They've both had their uh, injury histories. They both had their issues. But if if the right deal comes along, if you bring in a Tannehill, do you think th- is, is Mariota possibly movable? Man. I think everybody's movable. But yeah. I mean, but I, I, mean, I don't mean everybody, us. but I mean, with the exception I of a few elite players, yeah. I think just about everybody for the right price after this, is movable. See, after this offseason, when you see AB gone, you see Odell gone, mm. guys that if you would have told me that last year or the year, no way. No. But now? They're, they're gone. <laughs> Le'Veon happening. Bell is gone. I mean, it, it is not a taboo anymore for franchise players to be jettisoned and traded at any point in time. So that's why I do make that mention of, of Mariota, because like Dave said, anybody for the right price, everybody, what did, what did uh, Ted DiBiase used to say? Everybody's got a price. Mm-hmm. Joe Montana got traded. Yeah. yeah. Well, he I mean, was granted, old. Steve he was Young old. Waiting in the wings, but <laughs> yeah. Joe Montana got traded. I mean, you, you, and if there's somebody who deserved to stay where he began his career out of yeah. sentimental value, it would have been a four-time Super Bowl yeah. champ, three-time Super see, Bowl MVP. We're talking about young guys. We're yeah. talking about Odell is 25, 26. Le'Veon Bell is in his. We're talking about guys in their prime who are being moved. Yeah. And and I get your point about Montana. And then you had you, you had another I mean you had another Hall of Famer Eric, in the wings. What can you do? Eric Dickerson was moved by the Rams yeah. and they didn't have a Hall of Famer in the wings. They and he was a young guy who had his yeah. prime ahead of him, but he was moved because of money. Right. That's why Bell got moved. Mm-hmm. That's why Brown got moved because he was kind of a headache same with uh, you know Odell. These guys uh whether it's money or whether it's just being a cancer in the locker room, these guys find their find their ways to get jettisoned by these teams. And I know, Dimitri, you want to get to the tournament, but real quick, and I think this is kind of important, I know fans are thinking about this, with the Landon Collins signing, uh, a lot has been speculated about his love, his his respect, and, and his admiration for Sean Taylor. But the question is, would you be okay with him wearing 21? No one has worn it in games up to this point. Uh, you've had Ryan Clark and others maybe wear it in practice, uh, things like that, but you have not seen it worn in the game. And and with Dan Snyder giving him, uh, did you see the press conference? Oh yeah, I was uh, there. I right. was there. I got a chance to. You know, and, and you it. can see, you can see how it, um, actually it's mm-hmm. authentic emotion that that he felt in the story that he was telling about that. But I just want to get what would what would you feel if. He donned 21 this season. Clinton Portis says don't do it. 
He does. Yeah. My lean would I, be not I, to I, do I, it. I respect Clinton a great deal. I would not. Uh, I, I'd, I'd be against uh, anyone wearing 21 again. Yeah. The first number, I believe, that was retired was Lou Gehrig's uh, for the New York Yankees uh, mm-hmm. back in the late uh, 30s. Number four, and it was because he was dying. Yeah. You know, they, they, you and I think, you know, there are some players you can maybe unretire a number here or there, like how the Redskins, they don't, they've they only don't technically retire retired yeah. Sammy Baugh's 33, but right. 44 has been out of circulation. Seven, nine, those numbers don't get played. Seven, Seventeen, even they had some questions, you know, with, with, with Campbell, at, 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 and, and Doug yes. had to kind of sign off exactly. on that. Exactly. I think um, the only, I, I think that when uh, I think due to the fact of the fact, uh, well, the fact that uh, Sean Taylor was still playing for the Redskins, the fact uh, uh, his tragic demise comes into play, mm-hmm. um, you don't uh, you don't issue that number again. No one can wear that number again. In my I, I can agree with that. I think I've, I agree, but this is where I'm torn. Because if uh, the family and Pedro, uh, his father, comes out and says, we are okay with Landon wearing 21 and representing Sean in a Redskins jersey, who am I to go against sure. the family? If, oh, yeah. if, if the family has a stance that you mentioned Porter said, then of course, hell no, you can't wear it. It's not even up for discussion. But that's where it comes in because – they could possibly sign off on this, and if they give their blessing, I, I question who are we as a fan base or media or whatever have you to question the blessing of the family for this young man to wear that number. On this very podcast last week, Les Carpenter of The Post said, no matter what, uh, Collins needs to stay here a couple of years and do some things and it's earn true. the uh, oh. privilege, I guess, well, yeah, of, of wearing the jersey. Down. That is on top of the right. fact that the family says yes yeah. and everybody and, else and, is cool. I, I can concur with that. You can you can put a you know a little waiting plan. Also, and I, I, I think that this was a, a question raised, is that the pressure, pressure you put on yourself as Landon Collins wearing 21 – for this team, in this city, for this organization, are you really aware of the expectation that puts on your shoulder every game, every Sunday? Because if, if you're not playing up to par, right, that's a lot of pressure to heap on yourself if you don't come in here and you're not Sean Taylor-esque day one because – that's going to be the expectation now, when you put the number and on. And this is apples and oranges, but uh, the Maryland women's basketball team, they won a national championship in 06. One of their primary players, Marissa Coleman, wore 25. Mm-hmm. That jersey was held out of uh, circulation, so to speak. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, uh, Alyssa Thomas, uh, earlier this decade, right. All-American. Very good player. Uh, they, uh, Brenda Fries, the head coach at Maryland, uh, gave her the number 25. Yeah. 25 has since been out of circulation since uh, Alyssa Thomas. Thomas graduated. Right. So and there are some common teams. You have, teams to, that you do have that. to find the right player. That's I went true. to Syracuse, and hey, Kirby Dardar wore number forty-four. How'd that right. pan out? Oh, man. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, Trent but, Richardson. Yeah, certain certain colleges years. do that, and I, I would be if you want to have some sort of a compromise between the two. Right. If you do get the the blessing from the family, and then I guess give it a a, a red shirt sort of a mm. year or two, mm. and see how it, he pans out in. And uh, whatever you're going to wear, because initially he wanted 26, but 
then then right after that AP comes back, you're not getting 26 from him. <laughs> well, remember when Peterson uh, came in and started wearing 26? Clinton Portis was upset right. about that, and it's like, oh gosh, there are only so many so numbers, many numbers to you pass can pass around. This is not college yeah. where you have linebackers wearing seven, yeah. and you know you, there is a margin for NFL players of your position, what numbers you can choose from. Yeah. You can't be a, a defensive lineman where number one. It doesn't work that way. Numbers <laughs> thing aside, you know, one thing I hate about covering college football now is that they'll do duplicate numbers. Oh, so you'll confusing. have different guys. You'll have, especially when they uh, a lot of uh, defensive backs and running backs and wide receivers does will that. play special teams. So yeah. you're like, is that number four? Is that this number four who <laughs> right. plays offense or number four on defense? Florida State does really I think you had Cam Akers yeah. wore two, and you had another DB. It's, oh, it's, com- so, it's confusing. It's annoying. Hell. The reason why you give a guy a number is that that is his number, and you can exactly. recognize him. This is uh, not spring game yeah. where you have to have you know you have to do things like that. For you to have that during a regular season, it, for someone like you that covers the game, it would drive me crazy. Yeah. Final Redskins point uh, reports this week that Jay Gruden, the head coach, has been on the outside looking in. Didn't uh, have any part of the discussion of bringing in Landon Collins. Uh, wasn't part of these offseason moves. To me it's like moving to Washington and saying, wow, there's a lot of traffic around here. I didn't expect this. I mean, when you're part of the Skins yeah. you and Bruce Allen is there and Dan Snyder is there, this is what you get. Well, uh, I guess Bruce is kind siloing, of... you know? Yeah. Bruce, you, you, we've seen Bruce. He was quiet for a long time when we commented on his silence and kind of just having uh, Doug out there taking the live bullets when he's making certain decisions, like the Reuben Foster yeah. decision. But now we've seen him, whether it be at the Senior Bowl, to the combine, he he's getting a little more boisterous and trying to and really saying, "I've been here all along. I'm going to make my presence felt." But it just to me, it is not a surprise. I don't think it's a surprise to any of us. And I also think that it just uh, solidifies my thought that after the season, he's a lame duck. He's gone. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, you don't want to say that when you have Adrian Peterson and and Collins and and, and you're trying to make moves to get better. But the, the reality of the situation is this just confirms you have a lame duck coach. I think that uh, the general manager slash uh, upper echelon executive, because Vinny Serrato was never technically the general manager, <laughs> right? he is someone who is, and you see this all across the league, th- that person is usually someone who's within the owner's comfort zone. Yes. And they will use, they're will they usually there because the owner genuinely likes them, and they gen- they're comfortable with them, and that's one of the reasons why Vinny lasted as long as he did, through multiple regimes when yes. you could have easily made the case for him to be fired. I actually, in a piece 10 years ago, compared him to the Rasputin of the NFL. And it actually made sense. Uh, Bruce Allen is in the comfort zone of the owner. He came in with the right last name. Um, If you get rid of him, what do you do? Do you bring in Vince Lombardi's grandson or uh, Sammy Baugh's great-grandson or Ray Flaherty's? Because Dan had alienated so many former players, Riggins probably being one of the most... uh, it, but it now Rigo's back. Most about it. You know, Rigo's back. Now, now he's back because he Papa brought Jones. Allen in. Yeah. That was a strategic move to bring him in to kind of bridge that gap because he had 
push alumni and former players so far away from the organization that there was a lot of animosity between the two sides and that move for Dan had to be made to move forward in the organization. And regardless, you've got a team, the Redskins, uh, who hasn't had an 11-win season since 1991. They mm-hmm. haven't won a playoff game since 2005. Mm-hmm. They've had back-to-back losing seasons. So, regardless of who's in charge up top, this is a crucial season coming up oh, for yes. Coach Jay Gruden. Yeah, I mean, for him, for his career, because I think if you, if I, right now, if he's done here, I think he go, is one of those guys that, like a Romeo Cornell or a Wade Phillips, you go back to it, or, or Noah Turner, you just go back to being a coordinator. I, I think I, this may be your last head coaching geek in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he, he does get a semi-pass, just like how Joe Bugle got a pass after flaming out with the Cardinals. Because Ooh. they said, oh, the Cardinals are idiots, yeah. so we got the Raiders job. Or yeah. you, know, you see, you do see uh, some guys, and I think the Redskins job with every, I think the, the league recognizes you that the, benefit the Redskins the aren't the most True. efficient franchise, and maybe he might get another look, you know. Is but it, you never it's know. It's possible. It's possible, and we've like you, that was a the Joe Bugle example was 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 spot on. I I, I don't know. It's just, it just seems to be that's just par for the course of what this team does. I don't think there's anything that they do that makes you gasp at this point and really just what do they do? It's just what they do. Yeah. I'm not trying to pile on. It's just it is what it is. Yeah. I am not going to go into my uh, Michael Wilbon there. The, the the face of dysfunction and I'm not going to do all of that. We we know that. Thing is, in the NFL, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of dysfunction. I think one of the things that in any industry, what hurts innovation is cronyism and nepotism, and Pretty you do so. see quite a bit of it in the NFL. Sometimes it works. Sean McVay, grandson of former True. Uh, San Francisco coach and Giants head coach uh, Jim McVay, he's been a success. You see uh, a lot of uh, like David Shula, though, mm-hmm. son of uh, Don Shula, not yeah, a good coach with Cincinnati. Are a mixed exactly. bag. Even Alabama you, you didn't see, work out there. You see a lot of coach and Mike Shuley, yes. You see a lot of uh Shanahan's a success. You see that up and down. Uh Jay Gruden is John's brother. Exactly. You see and you, you see a lot of innovation getting uh, shunted because of nepotism, cronyism. It's, it's who you know. Be that as it may, you know, it's this is the league, this is the world that we work in. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dysfunction out there in the NFL. Are the Redskins the worst? By far no. no. Are are they could you make the case in a given year that they're mismanaged? Yes, but there's a lot of other franchises that are making as many bad life decisions as the Skins are. I will say this on on a positive note for fans. We just talked about dysfunction and how we seem to be in it all the time. But I would like to use on paper right now the Cleveland Browns and what they've done in the last two seasons. Because who has been, we've all, as Redskins fans, Dolphins fans, Buffalo, whoever you are. Hey, I'm not a Bills Jets, fan. <laughs> I'm just throwing, I know he's a Dolphins fan. I just threw mm. the rest of that out there. Thank Jets, you. whoever. But no, who's had it worse for longer than Cleveland? No one. No one in the Detroit's NFL. has been bad, but yeah, but they have, the, Cleveland they have, takes the cake. Cleveland has been at the bottom of everything, the butt of every joke, uh, dysfunction, uh, team was gone, brought back, everything. And now, if you look at this division that 
outside of them has been one of the, I would say, the most competitive between the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Bengals yeah. in terms of uh, teams that have, have won. It, it goes back and forth. And it's always Cleveland on the bottom. Now they're sitting in the catbird seat because the last two seasons, and this is, is a team that won two games in two years just, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is they have gotten to a point that I hope you get all your jokes out. I hope you are ready because we're not playing with you no more. Whether you're the Steelers, I don't know. The Steelers are a dysfunction. Uh, the Ravens made two decent moves to bring in Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram. I don't know what the hell is going on in Cincinnati. Y'all might as go ahead and just, can we get A.J. Green, please, on his last year? Oh just my. let him go. But I don't, I don't know what they're, they're doing in Cincinnati. And now you look at Cleveland seems to me the most talented and the most stable in that division. Yeah. It's March. It's March. It is. We got a month from the it draft. Is, but, so. but, but someone, who, a team that bad, you're talking about dysfunction, that has, has lived and wallowed in dysfun- dysfunction for well over the past decade or more. You get, you get, it gives me a little hope as a Redskins fan. It's gonna, no one's bad forever. Nobody expected George uh, Joe Gibbs to be as good as he was. You yeah, know? no one's. When I was back younger, you remember back like I do, when the Saints were the Aints. Yeah, and then fast forward, they won the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay with the with the uh, orange crush, the uh, orange cream uniforms, uniforms, which I wish they still had were, in the pirate oh, with no, the winking and the knife, sort of a Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Was, yeah. Kind of I think he now he now serves as the uh, University of Virginia mascot, Kippy <laughs> Cavalier. I think that's moved his, over. His, his grandson. Yeah. But they fast forward and won a Super Bowl. When I was growing up after the '85 Super Bowl. The Patriots were a laughing stock for years. Yeah, again, until but you the get best to the uniforms with Pat Patriot no, and the Pat Patriot. Oh, he was you, cool. You like those old colorful, yeah, I'm an old school <laughs> uniform guy <laughs> because they're different because they're uniform as opposed to seven shades of the same. Here's hoping, Jamal. Here's hoping. (laughs) You said it, Dave. It's March. Tournament time. Belmont will face Maryland Thursday afternoon, 310. It is the most exciting time of the year, gentlemen, for (laughs) me. because And it's been so. I remember when I was a student in college and you'd watch all the games. That was when ESPN had the first two days of the tournament. Now it's CBS, TBS, TNT, and True TV. So I know, Chris, that you wanted to watch Hair Jacked uh, reruns (laughs) this weekend. That cannot happen. That's a show that we don't need to watch. i got to make some time to. Uh, you know, appease the lady and give her something to watch. But we were talking about Maryland. They do play Belmont. Yeah. A lot of people are overselling Belmont, the Bruins. Uh, they've, they, they, they do have talent, but uh, they don't have a lot of tournament history as far as winning. Last uh, the uh, Tuesday night's first was four, 2015, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And their, their first win in the NCAA tournament was Tuesday evening in the first four. Uh-huh. So they've played well, but they've lost to whether, to whether it's Georgetown in, I think, 2011 or Duke in 2008. Mm-hmm. They lost in 2015. They do bring a good shooting team. Now, Maryland is a better defensive squad than they are when they've got the basketball, but I, I could easily see Maryland winning two rounds and getting to Washington, D.C. Right. I could easily see them flaming out because they lost last week to Nebraska in a game that it was one of those Three o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. so it's an afternoon game. You're not the first game, so you don't know when exactly you're going to start. That's the same case as this week. So, yeah, I, but I I'd think, be worried if I were the Terps. But I think they win at least one game. I, I think what I've seen from this team, and uh, 
our very own George Wallace tweeted this earlier. He's in Jacksonville uh, covering this. That Turgeon, during his interview, said ever since that loss in the Big Ten tournament, they've been locked in. What I've noticed watching them in Big Ten play from time to time, when they come out and they just don't have it, because they do have games like that. Right. But as the as the, the year went on and these young players, these, these freshmen matured, the games you would see them have that same battle with effort or lack of effort back to back became almost far and few between. If I saw them have a game like they did in that in the, that first round, in well, the second round right. of the uh, Big Ten tournament, the next time they come out, which will be against Belmont, I, I just have a confidence. I'm not going to see the same team that I right. did because I've seen them do that throughout well, the course of the season. they've done it multiple times this season. Yeah. They, uh, the after Big the Ten. Illinois game right. where they played poorly at MSG, they, they bounced back and played well. After the loss against Penn State, they came back the next week and played very well against right. Michigan. So you know, th- th- this is a pendulum team, and this is what you're going to get with a very young team. They've got five freshmen playing prominent roles. They've got you know a bunch of freshmen in the starting lineup. So it's, it's, it's not an experienced club, and they're going to, their their roller coaster is yeah. the extremes are more than say a lot of other more mature teams. That, that's true, but I, I do believe that being a young team as they are, but playing in the Big Ten this particular season that has what seven teams in eight eight so, teams yeah. in. So if, if you're one of those eight, and you and this is the gauntlet that you're running uh, the entire uh, season in Big Ten play. You mature quickly, you have to, and you're probably a little more battle-tested than some of the other uh, conferences that, that don't have that many teams. Because if you have that many teams in, you're running the gauntlet every game is, is is a test. Of course, for those kids at home who say, wow, eight Big Ten teams, there are 14 teams in the of Big course, Ten. Yeah. Just, just so we know that right. it's not true to its number. It's great for basketball, yeah. bad for arithmetic, as they would have it. <laughs> what what I, th- I think the two keys for this team, uh, one, they need to start strong. And mm-hmm. that, that's always a challenge with this team. As you mentioned, uh, when they've not started well, that seems to last over the whole 40 minutes. Uh, two, their big dogs need to post, meaning yes. Bruno Fernando needs to get off more than four shots yeah. than he had against Nebraska. Jalen's uh, got to get Anthony started. Anthony Cowan Jr. cannot turn the ball over no. like he's he has got, done he's in multiple games. show up from the Early. opening tip. Against Minnesota, he made, I think, or it was either against Minnesota or I believe it was against Minnesota. He made uh, two or three shots, their first five possessions. Mm-hmm. He was off to a strong start. Right. Against Michigan, he missed 10 of his first 11 shots. And even though he wound up scoring 10 points, it was probably the worst 10 points I've yeah. seen up until he had 18 against Nebraska, which is probably the worst 18 points. Because he's got I've the seen. tendency to, like you said, right. either come out hot yeah. or even if he doesn't come out and, and, and is off and he goes 0 for 10, the he, re- might, he might have three points going into the second half because right. he's only taken two to three shots. The rest of this team has followed their lead throughout the course of the season. They need uh, better recognition from Bruno uh, when he gets double teamed, which is going to happen against Belmont. Now, with Belmont, a smaller team, they're going to face a different uh, squad on both ends of the yes. floor. They like to jack the three. They'll spread it um, out. So they'll they'll have to be wary about the perimeter, uh, you know, protecting on, uh, outside, which they've, they've it's been a mixed bag for this team this year. But when Maryland plays uh, solid on the defensive side, 
side of the floor, they are a really good team. And their, their offense comes from how well they play defensively. And if they're able to do that and set the tone against Belmont early, then we could have something. And then in that next round, they'll play the winner of LSU and uh, Yale. LSU's a mess with Will Wade being subpoenaed and suspended. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that Yale's going to win this Thursday, but they could be a team that could max LSU out mm-hmm. and to, to the point where they're not in the best possible shape uh, mentally for uh, LSU scares me a little showdown. bit, though. They've got some good bigs, too. Oh, they're if good, one yeah. of Maryland's, uh, yeah. Bruno Fernando is your guy that you want to filter through, I'd rather play a smaller team than uh, take on LSU, even with the coaching issues. I still think they have the talent there to, uh, to get it. But, but they can just as easily lose to Yale, too. I agree. Yeah. That's a 14-3 to I keep mean, in when mind. You're, when your coach is, is, is not there, this late in the season, with the controversy that came with it, Sometimes the talent level doesn't matter if you're not there mentally. If, if they're not, they don't show up, and they're not there, and their trusted leader, their their coach is not there, and they're kind of uh, in disarray. That's going to show in the court. I don't care how talented the team is. It doesn't make a difference. I, yeah, you know, and not to sound like old guy once again, but my junior year in college, Syracuse was a top five team. We there were NCAA clouds. They wound up getting a year's probation a couple of years later. But there was a lot of stuff swirling around the program, and they were the first two seed to lose in the uh, first round. They lost to Richmond mm-hmm. uh, nearby at College Park at uh, at the old Cold Fieldhouse. I think when you look at where LSU is headed, Jacksonville, who's in Jacksonville as well, I believe. Kentucky's in Jacksonville for the first couple of days. I'm mm-hmm. sure the Wildcat fans will instantly become Yale fans and then instantly <laughs> oh, yeah. become Maryland fans yeah. over the weekend should LSU advance. Can we do a couple other matchups? Old Dominion versus Purdue? Is that just uh, only That's a full, only, only I thought so. That's my upset in that division or that region. And when you look, I mean, Purdue has not made a Final Four since 1980 for how as good as they were under the former coach Gene Cady and his incredible comb over, they never made the Final <laughs> Final four. That was good hair. Yeah. Yes, and he, he he spent like five hundred bucks a month, and this is in on Indiana. That? This is this is Indiana dollars. These are Indiana dollars sure. in they the nineteen nineties. Yeah. On I mean, you, that, yeah, that's what he came up with. I know what's on, going on. So, I, I think uh, under Matt Painter, uh, former uh, Purdue player, uh, now he's he's taken the team to the tournament ten times. They made the regional four times tough, of those though. ten appearances. They They've yet to get to a final four this year's team. Team. They started off. I, I thought that they would. They were. I always thought that they were rated higher than they actually performed on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a three seed. They were in the top fifteen despite having a ton of losses. Right. And I, I think they're a team that can easily get through to the Sweet Sixteen. I don't think Old Dominion's going to be in this tournament long. No, they're one of those teams where they're like Maryland. They're up and down a little right. bit, but they're one of the teams that I saw play Maryland probably some of the toughest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Purdue's I, good. I don't, I, I don't remember the, the the point guard's name off the top of my head. Carson Edwards but led that, the league in scoring. This guy is can guard's play. Game. He's gritty. He's tough. Just the makeup of the, of that team is is built to give you fits, especially if you're if you're a finesse team. They're going to grind you out. Do we want to cross the tough. Potomac, gentlemen? Talk a little bit about Kippy and Buffy and Ray Ray and uh, Lily. Uh, Virginia, always, Virginia yeah, Tech. Yeah. Virginia. I want to say this Tech about and VCU Virginia. too. Yeah, Virginia to me. And I also had a point about Duke, but I'll make this about Virginia while we're on Virginia. Virginia has the two things that travel in March. We always talk about in football the two things that travel in the playoffs is defense and a run game. Virginia has defense. And three-point shooting. That always travels when it comes to March. 
if they're consistent, because that seems to be their problem sometimes. They're not always consistent. But if they're playing their defense at a high level and in shooting at a high percentage, they can grind you out. And I don't care who you are, even if you're Duke, they can grind you out and put you in very, very funny situations. Biggest because di- they can stop you, and then if they're hitting the three, you're not going to be able to come back. Biggest difference for Virginia this year, they have a little more hitch to their giddy-up. They, yeah. we, they've always been able to defend. They've always been one of the top, if not the best, team defensively in the country. This year, they've got firepower. Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter. Mm-hmm. What's important about Hunter I is that really he's like healthy him. this year. His I wrist really isn't like broken. Him. I think if his wrist isn't broken last year, not only do they beat UMBC, but they get through to the second weekend and maybe even to the final and Hunter's four. An NBA. He's a legit yes. NBA guy. Guy. And I, I think so. You've got those two guys who, are, and they're they're just strong up and down. And they've got guys who contribute all over the roster. They, yeah. they had this dude from New Zealand, Jack Salt, who had <laughs> 18 points against NC State. Wow. The previous two months, he had 18 points combined. I think so. Wow. I, I've got I've got Virginia going to the Final Four. Other Final yeah. Four picks for me. I've got Duke. They've got the best uh, player in Zion Williamson, uh-huh. the best coach in Mike Shashevsky. I've got North Carolina just because okay. I, I see all the blue bloods in that. Midwest bracket tripping over each other, and I see Roy Williams saying, Gosh darn it, and <laughs> dad gummit. And then out west, I've got Michigan advancing. I okay. think John Beeline is the best tournament coach that nobody's talking about, even though he made it to the final four last year. I see them making another deep run. Chalk, my, my, uh, only... yeah, sadly, it's all right. And, 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 it happens it, a lot. It, yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard to argue there. Virginia Tech, I think, if they get through, they have nice to Washington, D.C., I, think they, I think they could give Duke a run for their money, although. They beat the Blue Devils without Zion Williamson. But this is this is the thing about Duke, and this is what gets these big teams these these David and Goliath matchups. And you mentioned three point shooting earlier mm. and playing these teams in Belmont and and others who spread you out and they like to shoot the three. The Achilles heel of Duke, they've got the most talent. They got this and that. They do not shoot the three very well oh, percentage-wise. And they, can, they, they can shoot free throws. And when, see, that is the problem. If you get into a situation where, let's say they come out flat, and that happens often when you're as talented as Duke is, when you're a high seed as Duke is, and you get one of these mid-majors or small teams that come out and having a great shooting game, early or late, it doesn't make a difference, and they punch you in the mouth. You do not have the... There is no... Uh, Trajan Langdon's, there's no uh, JJ yeah. Reddick's, no uh, Chris Collins. There's no one on this team that is going to come to life that's going to match three for threes. I don't care how many, and you got to have and ones because I don't care how many spectacular plays or monster dunks you have. You cannot match threes with twos. And if they get into that situation, that's where they might find themselves in a very funky spot. Because, yeah, can RJ shoot a three? Yeah. Can can Reddit shoot a three? Yeah. Can they shoot it consistently? No. And do they shoot it consistently as a team? Hell no. We saw them without Williamson, and they're a very ordinary team. Even in yes. even in uh, their, I watched their ACC quarterfinal game, their win over Syracuse. When Williamson wasn't on the floor, they were a very ordinary team, mm-hmm. unless they were in transition. Their half court is really pedestrian, and heaven forbid if Williamson gets into foul trouble, they'll be behind the eight ball. They potentially play VCU in the second mm-hmm. round. Uh, the uh, Rams do play UCF in, a, I guess, an alphabet soup uh, <laughs> Yeah, very much so. For, they're for in the late uh, Friday night. Exactly. 
exactly. I, I, what uh, what I like about VCU, I had a chance to see him just mow through George Mason a couple weeks ago. Defensively, mm-hmm. they're beyond awesome. And Coach Mike Rhodes plays a lot of guys, so it, there's not a worry. Hey, somebody gets into foul trouble, they'll be in trouble, but they can't shoot the three-pointer. And I think that would hurt them in a potential matchup right. against Duke. I think Virginia Tech, now that uh, their uh, point guard's back uh, after missing a, a, a chunk of time, uh, they've got a team that can go toe-to-toe with Duke. And now they're healthy. Duke is healthy. Um, that would be a fantastic semifinal in the regionals uh, in Washington, D.C. I'd watch. And I think the other key for a team to upset Duke is not be scared. Right. Because some of these, if you go back to Chris Weber and Jalen Rose in the Fab Five, they had games won when they got off the bus mm. because teams were intimidated. If you don't show any fear, then you can play with them. So you, did Seton you, Hall with Terry DeHair, from what I've been told. <laughs> no, I can't make that up. Please don't. No. I'm, no. Let's, let's like, go. Hopefully. You know, if you, if you had uh, UNLV 90, even the Duke teams of the 90s, if you go back to uh, North Carolina teams with, with Stackhouse and, 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 uh, Rasheed Wallace, those teams. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's at every level. It's, it's, it's Muncie Burris with Brian Carr. <laughs> I don't know. Bring, bring it up, bring it up. My old high school. I have no clue. That's, Who that's why. That's why <laughs> Brian Dave Carr. Did that. I went dude, to he, was, he was a magician. Brian on Brian Carr was indeed. Okay. Who's your national champion? North Carolina. I've got, I've got Duke winning Duke. it all. I've got Duke getting a very tough test from both Michigan State and Michigan on their way to the national championship game. I see them beating UVA in the title game. Anybody else? Michigan. Duke? You Michigan? Yes. Huh. I'd like to see the Wolverines win. The Big Ten team has not won it since 2000. Who's their center? The freshman, Ezekiel. Uh, Ziggy. Yeah, yeah. he uh, is. I watched that game against Maryland. I thought that is a completely complete team. They can shoot the three and get mm-hmm. down low. They're physical, and the experience factor is there. Detractors of Maryland and Coach Mark Turgeon will watch that game and see how sharp they are in every possession. Every pass has a purpose. Then they watch the scrambled eggs Maryland offense on the other side of the mm-hmm. floor. They're just like, why can't, oh gosh, why can't we be like that? I would. I, I think the first thing when you ask that question, Michigan popped into my mind first. Uh, I would have to go 1A, 1B. I don't think Duke wins. Uh, I've Michigan, to, to me, I'm Michigan and UVA. I'm split on either one of those two. But I, I, I have a feeling that Michigan and Virginia are built for this tournament. They know how to win. I think Duke eventually... I don't, you know I was going to make a shoe pun, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, blow out this yeah, shoe. But I, I think that, that Duke, uh, it, it, somebody is going to play them too tough, and, and they're going to get, RJ's going to get into foul trouble or have an off game. And it's not just Zion. Right. You, you'll have, you know, if Zion is great, but RJ is not, and Cam is not, and Jones is not, you that could happen also. Because let's not forget, we keep talking about Maryland's freshmen, so are these guys. Right. And the thing is, too, with Duke, it's that in order to get these guys on your roster, mm-hmm. your ros- your ro- you don't have a lot of talented reserves. You so can't. We, so, yes, because the guys who want to go play at Duke are going to play 30, 35 minutes. You, you've got a lot of ordinary guys, the O'Connell yes. kid. I mean, and they play well in spots. Yeah. But... They're they're X factors, and I think that you know I think you're right on that point. If Duke you know if Duke gets into trouble and guys get into foul trouble and they have to go with Plan B and Plan C, uh-huh. it's not as good as the Duke Plan B and Plan C of say ten years ago. Yeah, I think UVA and Michigan 
are when you look at it, they they are the more polished tournament teams. They're the more ready, uh, the more complete teams. There's not as many questions. Even when you look at Duke, and everyone is enamored with Duke, and we all love Zion, and it's a great thing when they are all rolling. But this is a whole nother animal. It's a whole nother, just like when you talk about playoff basketball in the NBA, this is something totally different. And this is not, you're not going to cakewalk through everybody. You're going to come into some teams that you're not familiar with, some styles that you have not seen in the ACC or wherever you come from. And it's going to be different wrinkles thrown at you from here on to the Final Four. And I just think that Virginia and Michigan are the type of teams that have seen it, are more prepared, and could handle it better when these different wrinkles come your way. Because every night in the tournament, it's a, it's a, it's a flip of the coin. And that's right. why we love it. These are 18- to 21-year-old kids. There's a lot of ramness that happens on you yes. know, so you know, it's. I mean, it is, it, and you don't know how well. Like uh, the thing that bothers me about this Belmont uh, Maryland matchup, not from uh, a Maryland or a Belmont standpoint, but from a fairness standpoint, uh, Belmont learned Sunday night uh, they were the schools in Nashville, so they learned Sunday night that they were going to fly to Dayton for a Tuesday night game. Right. They won last night. They left at two in the morning, mm-hmm. I think, or whenever they got out of there to fly down to Jacksonville to play Thursday afternoon. How is that fair in the sense of competition? It's not. It's really not, unfortunately. It's, it, it's not. And that's why, I mean, the playoff games are great. The play-in games, you know, that's, mm. that sounds good. I, I've always been still a, you know, a staunch believer in 64. Yeah. Uh, I mean, playing games why? to me are the bread course that you get. You don't it need is. it. You don't need <laughs> it. There's, there's no, there's just no, hey, you up early. Do you want yeah. more bread? No. No, no I, I, I want I want my steaks now. And I will say this before we get out of here. What I what I do miss, and it's March, and I always knew for the last eight and a half years that it was March, is Dave Preston coming through the door, getting on the elevator, singing CBS basketball theme song. <laughs> CBS all, College there it is. basketball. <laughs> Who do you think will win it all? all Could it be Kansas? How about floor. Duke? Maybe it is UVA. CBS College basketball. Let's do a bracket. Who do you think will win? Oh, I hope... My school wins. Let's tip <laughs> off. Excellent. And on that note, enjoy the tournament. Enjoy the tournament. Happy bracketing, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, and WTOP's mobile app. Just tap listen. For Dave and Jamal and Chris, I'm Dimitri. And for Redskins fans, large and small, God help us. 